I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my workbook series, The Knowledge, will help you make changes like you've never made before. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking about my ex is intoxicating. Sometimes when we are around somebody, we just feel incredibly drawn to them. You know, there are certain people in our life that we just have a really powerful connection to. Right. A lot of the times it's because they remind us of a caregiver. Right. But sometimes there's something else about this person that just makes us so drawn to them that the energy is just charged. Yep. And you might be surprised about what that is, but this is something that Margaret and I have been talking about recently, right. and it's a pattern that we're seeing, so we're going to talk about that. So Margaret, it has to do, in a sense, with dating somebody that doesn't have strong boundaries, right? Yes, it does. And what do we mean by strong boundaries? The boundary is the sense we have of almost like a turtle shell of the the line we have around us, the circle we have around us, and we don't want people to cross that particular boundary yeah. to get closer to us without being invited. We know the difference of where I end and you begin. That's right. And what we would teach kids whose, whose boundaries had been violated was we would have them stick their arms out, straight out, you know, like that, mm -hmm. and we would have them turn around and say that the area that their hands touch when they turn around would be their boundary. Mm -hmm. It would be some distance from them. And they would seem to get it. We'll see in later life if they really did. But if you grow up in a dysfunctional family, like the one I talked about before, oftentimes you don't have good boundaries or sometimes almost no boundaries at all. There's a distinct boundary between your family of origin and the outside community, but inside there may be no boundaries at all. People mm -hmm. may wander around in various states of undress. People may not close the bathroom door. I've heard of people who grew up in houses where there were no doors. Yeah. Literally, there were no boundaries. Mm -hmm. And if you start to fall in love with somebody who has weak or non-existent boundaries, it can be intoxicating because you can get close to them way too fast mm -hmm. usually because they aren't well defended and if you say to them what was your life like they will tell you the whole story with details without a second thought and then afterwards be somewhat overwhelmed by the amount they shared okay but it feels wonderful in the beginning of a relationship all right. Now, one of the things I wanted to point out, we're going to talk particularly today about borderline women, but there are also borderline men. And I met them when I worked in the prison. Now, when I went to school, I was told that only women are borderlines. And 
male borderlines usually end up with a different diagnosis. When their kids, um, they're diagnosed with ADHD, and then they go out and do a B&E or two, um, and end up in juvenile hall, mm -hmm. um, or maybe even less than that. They push a teacher, throw a desk, do something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, when they have a borderline ranger, they end, end up in juvenile hall. And I quickly found out that many of them end up in the prison system. Yeah. And it's just part of being borderline. Borderlines are very angry people because they didn't have their needs met. They have every legitimate reason to be angry. But part of the whole picture is that they never learned how to manage that anger. And so they get themselves in trouble all of the time. Mm -hmm. um, the boys probably, men, boys and men probably being a little more violent than the women. Most borderlines come from a dysfunctional family and that goes for both the men and the women. Mm -hmm. Okay, And what do the symptoms of borderline personality disorder look like? The most visible ones are suicide attempts and self-harm. Because borderlines never had their most basic attachment needs met, they are always terrified that they're going to be abandoned again as adults. So terrified. Terrified, It yeah. doesn't stop for them. No, it doesn't stop It's for not them. like it shuts right. off. It's just a continuous yeah. state of panic. That's right. And always they feel like they have an emptiness or a hole in their heart because their attachment needs were not met. Whereas other people have an easier time comforting themselves or calming themselves down because they have some emotional supplies that they received as little ones from mother and the rest of their family. The borderline doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. And because they cannot calm themselves down, oftentimes they will cut themselves, usually on the arm but in other parts of the anatomy as well. Mm -hmm. And what's startling to find out is that cutting oneself immediately calms you down. Now that doesn't make sense, right? No, it doesn't make sense, but it is true. Yeah. And they say now that endorphins are released if we cut. What borderlines will tell you, if they're being honest, is they feel like they have pressure inside. And when they cut themselves, they feel like the pressure comes out of the hole they make. The other thing they say is that if you're hurting inside unbearably, if your internal state is awful, then cutting yourself kind of switches the pain from inside to outside. Yeah. And it makes them feel better. And it's almost ludicrous in mental health. If somebody cuts themselves, some well-meaning therapist promptly sends them to the psych hospital. But too late, they've already gotten rid of all the stress and they're not going to do it again. They'll be fine for a while, okay? But we rush to hospitalize them sometimes when they really don't need it. Um, most therapists are not very happy to get borderline clients. So borderline clients have not had an easy path in getting help for their conditions. Mm -hmm. And early on in the process of understanding this diagnosis, Psychiatrists wanted to say, well, it's not a major mental illness, meaning it's not schizophrenia, which is a thought disorder, or bipolar, which is a mood disorder. It's just somehow people acting out what, what they went through in their family of origin. But because they get hospitalized and because medication helps, psychiatry ended up having to deal with borderlines whether they wanted to or not. 
So fortunately, since 1980, when the diagnosis was recognized, we've come a long way. And it's much easier to get help now than it was, say, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay? But oftentimes, therapists are not in a big hurry to take a borderline client because they make suicide attempts and they cut themselves. And therapists can be blamed for that or feel accountable for that, etc., etc. And oftentimes, a borderline will blow up your phone. Oh, they will blow up your phone. They will want to call you every time they get anxious. They suffer anxiety that we can't even describe. Yeah. And I learned years ago, um, borderlines will, will want to call you at home at all hours of the day and night when they feel um, anxious. And what I learned to say to people who wanted to do that is, it is not in your best interest to wear me out. <laughs> so you get two calls per week. Not after 11 o'clock at night, you get two calls per week. And then I would, with some people, I would narrow it down further. You can call me once a week at such and such a time because structure is always helpful, mm -hmm. okay? But many therapists are not comfortable with borderlines. Fortunately, many more are now than were in the past. Sure. Borderline behavior can get so extreme that people can be hospitalized at a rehab, not a short-term hospital, but at a rehab for weeks at a time because their behavior is so extreme, it has to be helped. I talked with a male borderline a few weeks ago, and for a male to be diagnosed as borderline, he really has to have made a suicide attempt because people who make frequent suicide attempts are almost always diagnosed borderline. Men used to not be diagnosed borderline at all. In any case, he had made a suicide attempt by sitting on a very well-known, very big bridge in the city where he lived. And of course, he had the whole police department out and so forth and so on. Um, so he got diagnosed borderline. Yeah. Um, and our friend Pete Davison, who has been very upfront, God bless him, with his struggles, has also been diagnosed borderline, but because he made a suicide attempt. Okay, yeah. and I thank him for being as out front as he has been. Yeah. Um, so that it would help us understand. Um, most people who end up with the diagnosis of borderline come from a dysfunctional family and have been sexually abused. And that goes for men and women. And when I met the borderline men in the prison, I found out their lives had been very similar to the borderline women. The borderline women are more likely to make suicide attempts and cut themselves, and the borderline guys would go out and steal a car, okay? Or throw the, the desk at somebody. The acting out yeah. helps them calm down. Absolutely, yeah. There's nothing like a good act out. Um, and I would tell them when I would be leaving on Friday, when they'd all look depressed, I would say, you all look depressed, and I don't want to come in here Monday morning and find out that you all did something crazy over the weekend to feel better, okay? I don't want any of that. So I want to come back here Monday morning and find out that you're okay and you didn't have a fist fight with anybody, all right? So after a while, they said to me, you came in Monday morning and you looked like you were okay, so did you have a fist fight over the weekend? <laughs> I told them they were in three, I was in three barroom brawls, but they said they didn't believe me. <laughs> Um, I've never met a borderline who didn't have a sense of humor. I've never met a borderline who wasn't likable, in spite of all their troubles. Um, there's usually something that's very likable about these folks. And I have found that they're often very intelligent. Yes, very bright, yes. 
Very bright. And they often excel in a career. Yes. Have you found that too? Those are high-functioning borderlines. Borderlines are like anybody else. You know, there are high-functioning borderlines yeah. and borderlines who have a tough time functioning at all. But absolutely, I have worked with some high-functioning borderlines. Yeah. Who somehow let you know that that's their diagnosis when they have a vicious fight with the boss. Um, but the hallmark, the reason and the hallmark, I'm, I think I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. It's, it's a little bit complicated, but not all that bad. Um, borderlines split the world into black and white, okay? Craig is either all good, or if I have a fight with him, he is the biggest villain in the universe, and I'll never speak to him again. Yeah. And none of his wonderful traits will be clear to me. If I'm mad at him, he just plain stinks. And it's really important to understand this when you're yes. dating somebody. Yes. Okay, and that's why we're talking about this, because you could have a partner that all of a sudden just snaps on you and you're like, how did this happen? How did this happen? And why is there no redemption? You go to talk with this person afterwards, say, I'm never talking to you again. You're the, you know, you're the worst person in the entire universe and I'm convinced of it. Um, the explanation is that as a very small child, like age one or two, uh, you get really confused about mom. Because first mom, in the first year of your life, mom is loving and holds you and gets you out of the crib and fixes your diaper and feeds you. Yeah. When you get a year older and you get closer to two and we start to talk about toilet training, this mother turns into a demanding person who says you better not pee here and you better not take a dump over there. And she can get quite adamant about it. Mm -hmm. The insecure child can't put this together and decides there must be two moms, a good one and a bad one. And I actually had a client tell me one time he remembered that. Yes, you did. I remember that. He was, he was a guy, I think Same he was more. in his 60s. Yes. And he said, when I was watching the video, I actually remember my mom would come into the room and I'd think to myself, this can't be my mom. This woman's too mean. Absolutely right. Isn't that wonderful that he could put words to Incredible, it like that? Incredible, right? I remember that. And that's exactly what happens. And this child cannot reconcile the two. And so these kids grow up splitting the world into black and white. The principal is the most horrible person in the world. The teacher who was nice to me is the most wonderful person in the world. Whoops, the teacher was mean and the principal was nice. Guess I'll, re guess I'll reverse that. Now, if you're a therapist and a borderline client comes to you, they will often say, you are the best therapist I've ever had. No one else has ever helped me, okay? But the minute you say, you can't call me every 10 minutes for the rest of my life, they say, you are the worst therapist I have ever had. My last therapist was much better than me. She let me call her at all hours of the day and night. And you get used to that after a while. And I would always say, you know, I have, I'm a human being, I make mistakes, I will always own that. I'm not perfect and I don't want you be, to be disappointed that I'm not perfect. I also wanna, wanna point out to you that it's not in your best interest to wear me out. Mm -hmm. And that would make them laugh. No, I guess it isn't, they'd mm -hmm. say, now that I think about it, okay? So there are certainly ways to work with borderline clients, but in the beginning, and if you don't understand, it's very difficult.
okay? And that's why many, many therapists have not been happy to have borderline clients. Mm -hmm. Borderlines are extremely intense. I have never met a boring borderline. There's so much emotion going on inside for them. If you're depressed and you meet a practicing borderline who's got all that energy, it's very exciting, particularly if you get into a relationship with one of them. Um, and I think sometimes people are drawn to the excitement. Yes. Borderlines tend to be in drama, dramatic situations much of the time. And it's very easy to get drawn into all that energy. And you were going to make depending upon how many people are incorporated in that drama yeah. is the level of severity to That's the situation. Right. Very good. So yeah. if you see a lot of people drawn into a situation, you know that there is a lot of anxiety going on in that borderline. A cast of thousands, um, all of whom are fighting. And sometimes borderline families with several borderlines would get all the agencies involved with them fighting, mm -hmm. okay? Um, somebody would be taking this one side and somebody would be taking that one side and you just had to say, stop the nonsense mm -hmm. so we can't help any of you, mm -hmm. all right? Behind a lot of it is abuse and depression, okay? Um, but it's almost like they combat it with a, a kind of a fight and a kind of energy. Mm -hmm. um, and absolutely borderlines can be helped. There's no question about it. If they get people who know how to help them, they can definitely be helped. Um, and it's never like they don't have the energy to do the work. Although they do get depressed, um, if you can engage them, they will put that energy into recovering. Okay? Some people just kind of wear out over time because it's an awful lot of energy to expend. Um, and I had one woman say to me one time, I used to be diagnosed borderline, but now I'm too old, I'm 52, and I can't be a borderline as well as I used to. <laughs> okay, she had been in and out of psych hospitals for years, so she knew the score. Um, and we will assume, I think with great safety, that these people probably have a sexual abuse history. Now that pours gasoline on the whole borderline thing. People with a sexual abuse history usually find it difficult to talk about that. They don't feel great about themselves. Sometimes they cut themselves because they blame themselves what happened, for what happened to them. And they sometimes have post-traumatic stress, which means that they have flashbacks and nightmares about the trauma. Mm -hmm. And that can provoke even more acting out than before. So if you get into a relationship with a borderline woman, and this is what we hear from men. I hear from men a lot. Um, I think she might be borderline. And I looked it up and I think she might be borderline. Um, and I don't know what to do to help her. Um, and I don't know what she's going to be able to do to help herself. Um, I tried to help her get into therapy, but she didn't want to go. Or sometimes she does want to go. Mm -hmm. But the younger she is, the less likely she is to go to therapy. Most borderlines, now this is, I'm not quoting anybody, this is merely my opinion from experience, are not willing to look at their childhood until they approach 30, okay? And I've talked with a lot of men who want to tell me, well, I'll get her into therapy and she'll be fine. No, she, no you won't, and no, she probably won't. And I think that one of the reasons is that people need distance in time 
from the trauma and the craziness of living in the crazy family to begin to talk about it. They need some distance from it. And I hear from men who are hopelessly in love with borderlines in their 20s, and there's very little you can say um, to really help. And the other thing I've noticed is a similar scenario when borderline women are just getting out of a relationship or are divorcing. Um, Because most unfortunately, borderline women usually chose an abusive man. And they can get into relationships, which they're very happy to do. Um, But if it gets too close too quickly, if there's any suggestion that the guy is controlling or even remotely like the ex-husband, they will end the relation abruptly, okay? The other thing to keep in mind is that borderlines, while they desperately want relationships, they are afraid of closeness. Mm -hmm. And if you get into a relationship with a borderline, that's very easy to do, and it's very easy to move very fast in the relationship because they have no boundaries, and they're oftentimes sexually adventurous. So if you get into a relationship very quickly, like about three months or so, she will break up with the guy and he is stunned because everything he had seen made him think that things were going really well. But she wants a relationship, she wants to be close, she's quite dependent. But I have to let you know that not only is she afraid of being abandoned, she's afraid of being smothered as well. And it's very difficult to help some of these guys who are just love-struck. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Would, you, would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say it's very easy to disappoint a borderline. Oh, very easy. Yeah. Because they have all these hidden expectations that they want from you, but they don't express it. Right. Right? So you don't even know what they are. And so when you disappointment, yeah. uh, disappoint them... All of a sudden, you become, you went from the greatest guy in the world to, I knew you were going to do this to me. Right. And the way they put it in the literature is if a borderline gets into any relationship, therapist, boyfriend, anybody they're going to be close to, first they idealize you and you're the best guy in the world. Mm -hmm. You just might be godlike. You might be wonderful. Feels like love bombing. From a narcissist, yes, right? Yes, it does. It feels like love bombing. Very well put. I never thought of that. Yeah. It feels like love bombing. And then all of a sudden, be, remember, you're idealized, so you're perfect. When it appears that you're not perfect, um, then they become extremely disappointed. That's like you're the best therapist I ever had. Then you're the worst therapist I ever had. Mm-hmm. You're the best boyfriend I ever had. Now you're the worst lout on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, yes, absolutely. Um but we see these men get in these relationships and they're intoxicating, okay? And I just made a few notes on that. I hear numerous things like, I have never felt so close to anybody in my entire life. How sad yes. for him. Yes, I have heard that yes. numerous times too. Yes, how sad for him, yeah. Um, but usually... In fact, I think I heard it this week. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I. I hear it most weeks at least once. Yeah. However it's said, that's really what it comes down to. I've never felt so close to anybody in my entire life. And of course it happened quickly because she didn't have boundaries and she's desperate for relationships. And the sex is usually and the wild. Sex is, yeah. 
Um, I, I had said sexually adventurous. So yes. That was fairly conservative, right? <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah. And They're that, pretty much up for just that, about anything, right? Yes. And that has to do with the fact that they were sexually abused. Mm -hmm. And women and men as well um, who have been sexually abused will often repeat sexual activity, sometimes wild sexual activity, according to what's called the repetition compulsion. And that means because they can't understand what happened to them as kids when they had no control over anything. Mm -hmm. They repeat it in an effort to understand it and find out what was in it for the perpetrator. Yeah. So they so will often act out sexually with a partner or with somebody else. Almost in like the perpetrator role. Almost sometimes. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because it's like they want to know what it feels like to be in that other position. Exactly. You know where you get re um, referrals on that is you'll get referrals of adolescent girls being sexually abusive to children they babysit, unfortunately. But that's a fairly common category in child welfare, that you will get the babysitter referrals. And that's exactly what that is, trying to understand what was in it for the perpetrator. Why did they do this to me? Okay? And I, I think that it's like, they also feel like they're in control now. They're yes, in the power. They're in control now. Nobody's right. going to hurt me like that. I'm right. going to do it first so I don't get hurt. So I don't get hurt. Um, let me go on with what I hear. This relationship was the most wonderful experience I have ever had in my entire life. Mm -hmm. All right. I have no idea why she broke up with me, and I can't wait to get her back. We hit it off right away. Yep. The first night we met, we never went to dinner. We went immediately to bed and had a magical night. It felt like we were destined to be together. Yeah. We were drawn to each other in what seemed like a supernatural way. Mm -hmm. Okay. These things do not seem like red flags, but they are. Okay. And I was talking to a gentleman last week, and I said, and you thought that this was the luckiest night of your life? And he said, yes, I certainly did. <laughs> but of course, she had broken up with him not that long after. Um, do you think that there's a uh, an average time period that it lasts with the new person? Couple months? When they get into it with about three months. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I have found that borderlines function on kind of three-month schedules. Yeah. Um, That's what I was thinking. And so do sexual abuse victims. They'll be okay for about three months and then at the end of the three-month period they'll get all the symptoms back again. Yeah, about three months would be my best guess. Um, it doesn't feel like a red flag. Women from dysfunctional families who have little sense of boundary around them that shields and protects them from other people, they don't have. And they, don't, they get involved before they have any chance to assess safety issues. This guy was a very nice guy and he was not going to hurt anyone. But she didn't know that yeah. when she completely got into this, you know, the first night she'd ever seen him. Um, so, after a spectacular few encounters, sometimes women feel that it's way too close because it came way too fast. And you got to remember, the people that she has been close to in her past hurt her. Yeah. Okay? So, so how she, could you trust anybody? Right. So it feels way too close, and their fear of being smothered overrides their fear of abandonment. Mm-hmm. 
okay? And this poor guy is left absolutely devastated. I've never felt so close to anybody, mm -hmm. okay? Um, so, in the meantime, yeah, he's just a mess. Um, says the partner, how can I get her back? I will do anything. Well, the older she is, the better your chance. If she's 23, you know, or in her mid-20s even, it's going to be difficult to get her to go to therapy. 20-year-olds, even when they're healthy, don't want to get serious during that decade. They want to party. They want to meet new people. They want to do all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to say to these guys, you don't really have the best shot on earth here of getting her back. But if you if you do have contact with her, if she does reach out to you, then what you don't do is move fast. That was your initial mistake. And they'll say, but she wanted it too. Yes, she did. She thought she did. Yep. But after three months, it was too much. Do you think the borderlines realize that they keep going through the same patterns? Eventually they do. And that's one of the things that brings them into therapy. Mm -hmm. Eventually. Yeah. But for a long time, they just can for continue a long, to do Yeah. It. For a long time, that doesn't make any sense to them. And you figure, if you come from a family that doesn't use words for anything much, they communicate by, I don't know, um, all kinds of other means by doing crazy activities and so forth. And you come along and you tell them, we have this new thing that's going to help you. It's called putting words to how you feel. Mm -hmm. They look at you like, what kind of a joke is that? I have no faith in words. My family never used them. You know? So it takes a while. Um, what they will do is sometimes cut themselves or make suicide attempts, which forces them into some kind of therapy. Mm -hmm. um, Psych hospitals will only keep them for three days, and as soon as they say they're not suicidal, they'll let them go. Mm -hmm. But usually they will arrange some follow-up for medication. And there are several medications that help borderlines. The first one is an antidepressant. They are underneath it all depressed, and part of the acting out is, is a way to deal with the depression. So oftentimes antidepressants and sometimes anti-anxiety drugs do help. And when you say they act out because they're depressed, meaning what happens? They do an act out and then it makes them not feel so bad anymore, you right? You got it. So if I have um, a big act out, let's see, let's, maybe I can tell you one of my favorites. Um, it's a holiday and I haven't heard from you. Um, I haven't heard from you, in fact, for three or four weeks. So I think I'll call the police and do a health and welfare check. So the police are going to show up at your door if you're my relative to do a health and welfare check, but I'm going to go with them because I'm so worried about you. And then after all, I will get to see you on the holiday. And in the meantime, I've called all our relatives. So now the police and all our relatives are showing up at your house and you were just minding your own business and watching TV. And like I said earlier, look at all the people that get pulled into the situation. <laughs> the more people that pulled into the situation, right, um, the more spectacularly Whatever the anxious, borderline is, yeah. Anxious, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, now, do you think? Because a lot of people that are going to be watching this are thinking, "Well, will my borderline ever miss me and come back to me?" Because they they think I'm the worst person in the world now. Well, if you have had any kind of a genuine relationship with your borderline, they know it, and they're not going to forget it because they've never had 
genuine relationships, mm -hmm. okay, with people who genuinely care about them. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to forget you. Um, and it depends whether they're ready or whether they're not to again engage with you. Because mm -hmm. okay. a lot of people that will date the borderline will just take advantage of them and use them. Unfortunately, there are those people. But I think we've been hearing from the sincere people who genuinely care sure. and, and want this woman back. But yes, of course, mm -hmm. these people get misused and they have many relationships. Yeah. Um, and if they're in, a, in an upset state, they can forget the other six guys they've been with that year and pick up with the seventh if it feels like the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And sometimes it's sad to say borderlines almost have to wear themselves out before they're ready to seek help. And they've been too hurt to trust people. That's the difficult part. Oh, yeah. Part. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And they must be exhausted all the time. Oh, they are. They are. Um, but there's nothing like a good crisis to perk you up and help you with your depression. Like the guys in the prison, I'd say, I don't want to hear you got in a fist fight over the weekend to cheer yourself up. You know, I think that intensity of being around the borderline, we must have chemicals that are released in our brain that it's just so exciting and Absolutely. intoxicating. Absolutely. And many people have taken up with borderlines because they were depressed or bored or whatever. And they're exciting. Well, and, you know, it's funny because, or ironic, but I dated one borderline. Yes, you, you did. You know this. Yes, you did. Because you were there, and I was seeing Margaret mm -hmm. at the time, and of course, when did it happen? After my breakup with That's the right. Applebee's girl. Yep. I had never dated a borderline before, but I was very depressed. I was devastated over that breakup. So what do I do? I wind up dating the most wild intoxicating yes. borderline you could possibly imagine and you got off to that spectacular start if i recall yeah yeah and uh you know she was a you know exciting Absolutely. funny yep. fun um adventurous and caring and but she had a lot of issues and it took me not too long before I figured that kind of stuff out. Well, that's because you were healthier, much healthier yeah. than she. And but yeah, she had all the qualifications. Yeah, yeah I've, I've brought her up in videos and before. And she was fun. Right? She was. Yes, yeah, she sure. was a very caring person. And I guarantee she would even sit down in a video right now and say, this is what Craig did for me and he was so good to me. Because yeah. she did come back afterwards. Yes, she and, did. And she was so thankful for all yep. the positive stuff that yep. I brought to her life yep. in that time. Because I really was supportive for her. Yes, you were. But I had to end the relationship <laughs> because it was just, it was too much. It was um, too she much. She was cutting. She was drinking to the point where she almost killed herself mm -hmm. um, by drinking too much. Um, and there was just a lot of acting out. Yep. She couldn't help but lie about stupid things. It was just, it was just too much. And I had to... You know, let her go, and I did it in a, light, a very nice way, yeah. um, which she was very thankful for. Yeah, but it's the excitement. Oftentimes, it's the excitement, and some of these guys will say, "Now she won't talk to me. She's blocked me. How can she do that after what we had?" And she can, and she will, because it got too close, too fast, yeah. which is a hard concept to explain. And people will say, well, if we were having such a good time, why didn't she want more of it? Because it was too close and she didn't feel safe. It's a hard concept to get. Yeah. 
and it takes a long time to really understand it. You have to imagine Margaret worked in the prison system yep. with the most severe borderlines. Yep. And, you know, to the point where, you know, they had committed some of the They'd worst crimes. Some, some of them had killed somebody. Yeah, they had killed people. Yeah. So, um, you know, Margaret's experience is just phenomenal. And believe me, if you had an ex that was a borderline, or even if you have a borderline personality disorder yourself, Margaret would be an excellent resource for you. She's got tremendous amounts of experience, and I highly recommend you do a coaching with her. Well, one of the best things you can do for a borderline is to gently set limits. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're not going to do. And it's not in your best interest to wear me out. Exactly. And I think sometimes they will cut, they will do crazy things again when they start to attach to the therapist because it feels too close. And you want structure, structure, structure. Um, that helps. Um, and the prison system, unbelievable though it sounds, was wonderfully helpful because it was the structure they had never had before. And some of them were going to be able to get out and function to an extent because the structure would have helped them. Mm -hmm. um, so. All right. Well, that was a lot to take in. I know. Make sure you give Margaret a thumbs up for this video on her tremendous experience and sharing this stuff because this is the kind of stuff you're only going to get from somebody that has a lot of experience. This isn't read out of a book. This is Margaret years and years, years of and research. Years. Right. So, of course, if you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, AskCraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and I do Skype. Margaret is here for Skype coaching. And I will be happy to talk with you no matter what your diagnosis. <laughs> just click on Margaret on the top of the website to do that. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. But that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.